It's time for Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And here is your host, Inside Towers business editor, John Celentano. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tower Talks. Today's episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence. Complementing Inside Towers daily news coverage, Inside Towers Intelligence is a new quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem to identify market trends, evaluate mobile network operators and infrastructure company capital expenditures and outlook, offer investor perspectives, track infrastructure company stock performance, highlight relevant M&A transactions, and more. An annual Inside Towers Intelligence subscription includes four quarterly reports, an exclusive intelligence briefing in the quarter following each published report, and on-demand online subscriber support. For more information or to subscribe, visit insidetowers.com forward slash intelligence. And now for our topic today. As wireless carriers deploy more frequency bands on towers, the incidence of RF interference increases dramatically. While we describe interference coming from radios at another cell site as active interference, reflections or harmonics from RF transmission within a tower site is equally of concern. This is what is referred to as passive intermodulation interference or simply PIM. PIM can originate from poor or worn cable connectors at radios and antennas. As well, PIM can be produced from what we call non-RF sources from different mechanical and structural elements on or around a tower. Here to talk about non-RF PIM sources and how to mitigate this type of interference problem is Chris Stockman, Product Line Manager, Integrated Solutions Division at Comscope. Chris, welcome to Tower Talks. Thank you, good to be here this afternoon with you. Tell us a little bit about your role at Comscope and uh, maybe a little about your experience in the wireless industry. Yeah, okay, so I've been at it for a while and uh, I like to tease uh, the folks in here saying that I've been uh, in the industry since 1G. So, <laughs> and, and you know, most of that time was, uh, was at uh, Comscope and I actually came up through uh, the Andrew acquisition. So I, I started my career in, uh, in this field, project managing uh, cell site construction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was in, in marketing for a little while, but most of the time I spent for the last 20 years or so was in product management. And I've been involved with all the parts from connectors and coax through, through fiber and hybrid cables. And today, right now, I'm managing our installation accessories components. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you mentioned your, your tenure since 1G. I've used that line myself, so we'll have to get together and compare notes sometime. <laughs> Sounds good, right? A lot simpler back then, right? No yeah, PIM. For sure, exactly. So let's talk about non-RF PIM. Where are, or what sources on a tower really cause non-RF PIM? Well, John, with today's complex RF spectrum deployments, Basically, everything in a tower environment near the antennas can become a source of non-RF PIM or external PIM, as it is also known. Uh-huh. And when I say this, I mean the tower structure itself and all the metal mounts, brackets, and hardware that mount the antennas, radio equipment, and cables to the tower. So if, if we start at the bottom of the tower, basically, and we look at the long trunking cables that go up hundreds of feet vertically, you know, the hardware used there is generally not a big concern for PIM. And, and there's a lot of metal components used on, on those heavy trunking cables. And for good reason, 
uh, the, the metal stainless steel hangers in bracketry for those cables is important for the, the reliability and, and long-term performance of those cables. Uh, because in that application, um, there's a lot of wind load on the, the cables and, uh, and they're heavy. They're so heavy. we yeah. really need to that, that heavy hanger element there. And, and we really don't need to worry about the hangers on those large cables until we get a little bit closer to the antenna. But when we do get close to the antenna platform, on that level, everything is critical, like metal hose clamps, round member standoffs, through a hanger adapters, and of course, stainless steel hangers uh, that attach, um, attach the cables to all these parts. And they also stack onto themselves too. About 15 years ago, hangers were made to uh, utilize the limited space on the towers, and, and uh, they were designed to stack on each other. So actually that, that was great back then, but actually it's quite a PIM generator now. So going further, I, I'd say that as a rule of thumb, it's important to evaluate all those PIM generators that I just mentioned that are all within 10 feet of the antenna in all directions, and also hundred feet in front of the antenna. Because if these parts are being hit with multiple RF signals, they'll be generating a PIM signal. And if that PIM signal falls within the receive band of the system, it will decrease the receive sensitivity of the radio and, and lower the data rates, uh, the capacity and reliability of that whole radio system. That's a real issue again, here, right? Just, just imagine a big glass globe around the antennas. Everything in there is a concern for PIM. Hmm. And at a high level, it seems like everything would be pretty straightforward to find and, and resolve PIM issues in there, but actually it's, it's a very intricate process because you need to look at all the obvious things that we just named, but also a lot of the little unknowns like a leftover nut or bolt sitting on top of a radio or corroded or rustic bolts somewhere um, on, on the tower or equipment mounts. So is this, can the, can the technicians up on the tower actually measure the amount of non-RF PIM that's being generated or is it just manifest itself in the de degraded signal that uh, we're getting on our main transmission? Well, I tell you, most uh, service providers find the problem through the performance with their radios. Um, and then they would go hunting for the problem. And there are manufacturers that make uh, radio test equipment mm -hmm. and probes. So right. you could go actually looking for the exact specific causes of the PIM. But some have seen it, have, they've gone down that road and, and seen that it's so encompassing that they now just want to go ahead and practice PIM mitigation remedies mm -hmm. uh, before they even start hunting for the specific causes mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of PIM. Mm -hmm. I, guess, I guess there's uh, two aspects of this too, uh, uh, at a given site, uh, Chris. Um, you have new installations um, which you know, it makes sense to use whatever's available that is designed to help mitigate any PIM, non-R PIM sources. And then there's a bigger challenge, I think, in, in adding to or retrofitting or doing modifications on an existing site that might have been in service for a number of years. Yeah, right, exactly. So um, actually it's, it's um, the new site builds are an easier case there. So most of the problems will be noticed when 
when capacity or carriers are being added to the existing site because it was fine before. And, and now that that new RF frequency is interacting on all the parts, it's generating a PIM now, a combination of PIM that's falling into uh, the receive of, of the new, new radio uh, capacity that was put in place. So uh, those parts there, anything that is not, um, all, all metal parts that are not in solid tight contact with the tower, those, those are the primary the PIM generators. Um, and program managers and, and the, the RF engineers have, have sat down um, where they, we've had these problems and just started designing out all these, these little metal pieces and stuff and, and putting in place now polymer components that have been um, on the rise for the last couple of years. Um, and these polymer installation components replicate and replace all these steel components um, and allow um, existing sites to add new capacity mm -hmm. with PIM-free polymer installation accessories um, pretty effectively. Are you talking about fabricated devices or are these metal devices that are coated? Well, um, they're actually molded now. Um, in okay. the past, we were stamping and cutting and forming steel, but now we've, we've taken those similar form factors and you have to design them a little bit differently to make, uh, make them strong enough out of a different type of material. Mm -hmm. So we end up with molded angle adapters, molded tower standoff adapters, um, acetyl cable banding. And all these materials are robust and designed and tested to, to replace the steel, but they're now in a, a PIM-free polymer material. Hmm. So it sounds a lot like, um, you know, we hear about the stealth aircraft, the non-reflective ra uh, radar signals. And that, is it kind of like that? I mean, are we talking about the ability for these uh, materials to either not reflect or absorb any kind of, uh, any kind of uh, RF interference? Certainly, I, you're touching on a, a portion of the component tree, which needs to remain metal, I think. So parts like uh, radio mounts um, and antenna mounts, those are still metal right now, and they'll probably continue to be metal for a pretty long period of time because they need to be really strong. They're supporting heavy loads. So manufacturers have gone into redesign modes on those. And one of the techniques that they use to reduce the PIM on that on the metal parts is to round all the corners, um, like you said, in reference to that, hmm. that stealth plane, you know, um, it's not gonna reflect the, the signal as badly. What they're also doing on the metal parts is they're ensuring that any of the metal that must contact each other is done so with very high contact force. So you'll see now in their installation bulletins, uh, torque values on all the nuts and bolts and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So installers really need to watch that. They need to torque hardware now to get the low PIM performance and, and maintain that performance and reliability over a long period of time. That's interesting. So uh, it, this sounds like it adds um, quite a bit of activity or, or time on the tower to, to go through and either replace or modify a lot of these connect points. Um, um, but I, I'm, I'm gathering from you the, the point you're making that this is worth it, it's important, 
and uh, it'll help reduce, if not eliminate, pain problems uh, substantially. Yes, you know, if, if, um, if you're at the site adding capacity because you've got C-band spectrum or whatever new spectrum you mm-hmm, have, mm-hmm. odds are increasing every time you add spectrum that you're going to have PIM. Some have recognized that already and have a policy of going in and putting that new capacity add in with the new PIM mitigation parts. And while they're there, because it is labor intensive, like you said, but deployment to a site takes a lot of time too and cost. So while you're there putting that new capacity in, strip mm-hmm. all the old metal stuff out, that could be a problem if it's not already. Mm-hmm. And uh, just replace that at the same time. Um, you also get a lot of efficiency there because a lot of the cabling from the new capacity addition could combine into the same mounts and brackets and adapters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as all the existing cables. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it's not as bad as a complete 100% re- redundancy. Re- yeah. So to do it all at once is, is saving um, and generating a lot of economies. Are these components frequency sensitive or is it just a matter, regardless of the frequency, we don't want it reflecting any kind of uh, signal? Um, by that, I mean, you know, we, we, we're looking at and you made mention of C-band, but you know we have sites installed with low-band frequencies in the hundreds of megahertz range and mid-band, and now we're talking about millimeter wave in some applications. And I'm just wondering, are these devices insensitive to the range of frequencies, or, or are there custom devices uh, to uh, for, for certain types of installations? Well, I would say that um, the traditional metal installation components and hardware are sensitive to every frequency. Okay. Every, everything added to the tower is going to be seen by this hardware. So it's just a matter of getting the right reflections of all that new spectrum mm-hmm. reflecting back into the receive of the radio system. Mm-hmm. So the hardware doesn't care. It's, it's going to, you know, it's going to give you a hard time no matter what. And, right. and the more we go through to this industry and the more radio we add and the more efficient we try to get with that radio, the more trouble these metal parts are going to give us. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, and, and it, you know, requires, I think, a, a lot more attention to be paid to what's going on to the tower and whether or not uh, it's solving a problem or creating a problem. Most of this work, you said, the best time to do it, if it's an existing tower, is while you're in there working with new additions or, or, or retrofits versus a, a, a custom dispatch to, to just work on this aspect of it. But um, um, who's, who's actually doing the installation work? Is it the carriers themselves or uh, their, their, their contractors? I mean, who, who's ultimately responsible for uh, whether or not we have pin problems? Well, it would be a team effort from what I'm seeing. So everybody involved from the RF engineer to the program managers, to the big contracting companies, mm-hmm. and, and then finally to the tower technician. Everybody mm-hmm. has a role to play. So at those first levels that I mentioned, the um, service providers are gonna want to look at the portfolio of, of low PIM parts that are in the, the industry now and, and select and qualify what they think is best for their tower and the reliability of their network. 
And then the program managers would, would select from that what, what exactly is needed for the specific cable configurations um, and everything to be installed on a tower for whatever the project may be. Yep. And of course, it's the tower technician who has the final say. Uh, they're using these devices here to, um, to securely put the cables on the tower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and things have to work for them uh, mechanically. Um, it has to be easy. It has to be intuitive. Um, and, um, and in general, it, it has to fit for everybody in, in that whole scheme. Mm -hmm. And there's a good selection of parts in the marketplace now um, that makes everyone pretty happy. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the channel to market for these products uh, are typically through what, direct or are you selling through distrib just distributors or uh, where, where are these uh, uh, sold from? Yeah, again, it's a combination. You know, everybody from um, Comscope Direct is is uh, taking orders and shipping these new uh, low pin parts, mm -hmm. and of course, we have we have partners and distributors all over the country and all over the world who mm -hmm. um, who are mm -hmm. holding inventory and are out there to to help customers and contractors and installers, and um, oftentimes um, these kind of components aren't specified until the very last minute. Because you don't know exactly when you're going to get that site and exactly what's going to be needed there. Mm -hmm. So uh, they hold all these parts out all over the country there uh, for, for rapid needs. So are we at a point where we've, we've phased out the, the, the metallic versions of these parts? Or, or is there, are we still in a transition where these uh, new components with different materials are being introduced? We're still in transition. I would say, you know, if, if I were using the nine innings of a baseball game, we're probably, you know, a little less than halfway there, maybe maybe the top of the fourth mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of this. So um, some service providers have completely um, embarked on this change in its way mm -hmm. of life mm -hmm. now. Um, others are starting to see problems and, and may continue to see them as they add spectrum. So the... The, the train has left the station, though, on this. I believe it has become a way of life for everybody mm -hmm. involved with, mm -hmm. with radio access networks now to be looking at all these elements of external PIM and taking responsibility for mitigating it mm -hmm. before it even starts. Well, you want to catch it before it starts because, uh, as you pointed out earlier, it leads to signal degradation, poor performance. Ultimately, we're going to get customer complaints, you know, so uh, right. to the extent that they're able to catch it at the installation stage, it makes a lot of sense. This has been good. Uh, I think it's an aspect of the industry we don't, you know, get a lot of visibility on because it's, you know, pretty basic type of. Uh, yeah, nuts and material. bolts, right? Who would yeah, have ever thought? Tru truly nuts and bolts. So, yeah. but uh, it's important, uh, as you've described it, to the overall performance of uh, a site and the network. And, you know, the, the more attention is paid to installing and looking for problems that might result from poor PIM performance, I think uh, over the long term is going to get a lot more attention. But um, any, any final thoughts or, or comments you'd like to leave us with, uh, Chris? Yeah, well, you know, the, the wireless industry has certainly been a great lifestyle improvement for us. And it's expensive, you know, so... The, the folks providing the service to us have spent billions of dollars on this spectrum mm -hmm. here and everything. So they're going to maximize that spectrum for the money they paid. 
So I'm glad that uh, we could help with them, uh, help them on that uh, with, with these types of products. And um, we, we hope to uh, be, 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 be a good service partner uh, to, to all in the industry. Excellent. So if, if um, any of our listeners are interested in learning more about these non-RF PIM products that you have available, um, how can they find out more information? Well, of course, there's the website, right? That's, that's the easiest thing to look at, Comscope's website. And uh, you could find technical information there, videos, brochures in, in, in the works. And also, you could visit any of our distributors throughout the country. Uh, I mentioned earlier that they have these parts. They stock them. And we even have programs that um, allow free sampling of parts so that um, you could give them a trial on your site, see how they fit and work, and then go from there. Excellent. Well, look, this has been great. Uh, interesting discussion, Chris. We appreciate your, uh, your time. And, and, and thank to everyone for uh, sitting in with us today. Uh, please join us again for an upcoming Tower Talks episode. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. 